Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. Sometimes in life, God throws a flag on us. By doing this, He wants to reveal some character flaws. If we will look deep within, after further review, we might see how God wants to mold us in the areas of gentleness, patience, and authenticity. We're starting a brand new series today called After Further Review, or as last week was mentioned, AFER, okay? It's not really what it's called, but it's what it looked like on those handout cards. Uh, And you can kind of tell where we're going with this today about unnecessary roughness. And uh, I was talking to Chad at school this week uh, about a time in college where God did something uh, cool at the campus at Cumberland. It was like a four-year-long revival where he just did some neat things, incredible things in people's lives. And uh, we had a camp's revival that kind of started it all. And this guy named Greg Pinkner was the pastor, and he was staying at our apartment. And I was just kind of starting to teach back then. And I remember asking him, like, you teach every single night. What do you teach about? Do you not, like, run out of stuff? I mean, what do, you, what do you teach about every night? And I remember him telling me, he said, Kenny, I just teach about whatever that I'm struggling with at the time. Whatever my weak areas are, that's what I teach. And I started trying to do that. So I want you to know that these next three weeks, I've pulled out three areas that I kind of struggle with, three areas that I feel like I'm pretty weak in, and I feel like God has a message from his word for our church uh, with those three areas. So we're going to jump right in. How many of you like fall? Okay. Uh, I don't like the cold. I'll just be honest, all right? But one of the things I do love about fall are that the leaves are changing colors. We were driving here this morning. I told Heather, look at those trees. It's just beautiful. I love the colors of the, of the trees. It makes for some beautiful scenery here in southeastern Kentucky. But another thing I really like about fall is that it's right smack dab in the middle of football season. Okay, anybody like that? Me and Sam. All right, good. It's going to be good. Okay, good series here. Yeah, right in the middle of football season. You got uh, Friday night lights, electrifying high school football fields, and on Saturdays there's college game day coming to your city every week, you know, with tailgating parties across the nation on college campuses. And then the NFL Sunday ticket. That's my favorite show on Sunday afternoons, watching the Oakland Raiders run out of the black hole and just demolish teams like the Chicago Bears. It's wonderful, okay? Well, at least they compete with them, okay? They're like one in five right now. They stink. So, But whether you like football or not, it's here to stay until the Super Bowl. So I thought that it would be a good idea to kind of call a timeout and do what those guys in the zebra striped shirts, the referees do, go to the replay monitor and take a closer look at how our character is growing. Just to kind of ask God, God, after further review, what do you see when you look inside of me. And as we do this, let's remember that God has never missed a call. He's always makes the right call. He's never messed up. Okay. So listen, I just want to be upfront and honest with you. God has thrown a flag on me in my life for several different penalties over the years since I've been following him. I've been flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct when my mouth got a little out of control and I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. I've been flagged for a block in the back where I gossiped about or I criticized somebody behind their back. I've been flagged for holding, holding on to things I should have let go a long, long time ago, whether it was a past grudge of some kind or some kind of resentment or even unforgiveness. I've been flagged for offsides where I get into the neutral zone, being somewhere that I know I shouldn't have been. 
And I've been flagged for delay of game because I procrastinate at times. And listen, I've been flagged for what we're going to talk about today, unnecessary roughness. Sometimes God just takes it out and he throws it on me and says, unnecessary roughness, penalty. Now listen, we know that football is a violent game. I mean, there's collisions on almost every play. There are injuries, uh, knees get blown out, shoulders get dislocated, ankles get sprained, and guys get concussions that sometimes cause them problems for the rest of their lives. It's not a game for the weak. And that's why, as Stephanie announced at the Turkey Bowl next week, we play flag football, okay, because we would not be able to recover at our age. Flag football is a kinder, a gentler version of football. And you know what? After further review, that's what I want to be said of me at this stage in my life. That I'm becoming a kinder and gentler husband. A kinder and gentler dad. A kinder and gentler friend. You know, for for, for too many years and in lots of different ways, I've been flagged repeatedly for unnecessary roughness. I've been way too demanding of others at times. I've been way too harsh with my kids at times. And at times I've been way too critical of myself. I've let my anger get out of control. I've been the king of sarcasm, too blunt at times, really short with people. And so for years now, since I've been following Jesus, I've learned to kind of challenge myself to go to the replay monitor and ask God to review my life And pray a prayer from Psalm 139, verse 23. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I used to do a long time ago. They said, don't do that. They don't don't participate. I want you to read this verse out loud with me together, okay? Can we do that? So Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Let's read these two verses out loud together. It says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path everlasting life. That's what I do. Kind of do a character check. I pray that prayer and ask God to do that. We need to go under the hood. We, we need to ask God, is there anything in me, God, that you want to change? Is there anything in me that you find offensive? Are there any character flaws in me that you might want to throw a flag on me for? After further review, what is it in my life that needs to change on the inside of me? Search me, O oh God. Galatians 5, and 23 is going to be our checklist, our, our replay monitor, so to speak, to see how our, our character might be improving. And here's what those verses say. Dan read them uh, while the band was playing there. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I was thinking as I looked through that list, other than probably self-control and patience at times, you know the one that I struggle with the most? And this has just really hit me in the last uh, couple of years. But the one I struggle with, other than patience and self-control, the most is gentleness gentleness i mean i got to thinking about that gentleness i mean a breeze is gentle right 
A newborn puppy is gentle. Charmin is gentle, okay? Not John Wayne stuff they have at work, but Charmin, that's gentle, right? We don't hear the Marines saying things like, we're looking for a few good gentlemen, do we? I mean, we live in a rough, tough, Green Bay Packer, frozen tundra kind of world, right, Sam? Okay, right. I mean, it's not gentle out there. We do battle with, with dirty diapers and teenage attitudes and terrible traffic almost every single day. So we can't afford to be gentle. And I was reading this past week an article in the Gospel Coalition, and it said this. It said, gentleness is perhaps the most neglected virtue among Christians today. It's the most neglected virtue. But you know what? Most of us have a misunderstanding of what gentleness actually means and what it actually looks like. In fact, many Christian men resist gentleness because they associate it with being feminine. That somehow strength and gentleness, that the two of those can't coexist. But we don't have to choose gentleness over manliness, according to Jesus. I mean, he drove out thieves from the temple in anger, remember that? Yet he loved holding little children whose disciples were trying to send away. He dealt gently with outsiders. He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. I mean, any immature man can be a forceful, unloving, so-called leader, but only a true man can be gentle. And you know, the word that's used in the Bible for gentle, it doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean frail. It doesn't mean soft, and it doesn't mean delicate. It actually means Power under control. Power under control. That, that word comes from the equestrian world, and it refers to a horse trainer who would take this young bucking bronco with all its pent-up energy, and he'd break it. He'd break it. It was power under control. Yasiel Puig is an outfielder for the back-to-back -back National League champion Los Angeles Dodgers, he was given the nickname Wild Horse by legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Vin Scully because Puig played so out of control. You just never know what he was going to do, uh, knew what he was going to do on the baseball diamond. So he gave him that nickname. But in the past couple years, he's learned to harness that energy and now plays with power under control. He still acts like an idiot at times, but as far as his game goes, he plays with power under control. And when we think about it, couldn't we all use a little power under control? Ever walk through the grocery store and saw a toddler laying in the middle of the floor in the cereal aisle just throwing a temper tantrum, right? What does that child need in that moment? A little power under control. When your teenager stomps into their room, raising their voice, slams the door and cranks up the music, what do they need in that moment? I know they need a tail kicking, but besides that, they need power under control. When a grown man at a Little League game starts using uh, language that would make a sailor blush with shame, what does he need in that moment? I know he needs a taser, but he also needs some power under control, right? So, can I just ask you this morning, has God thrown a flag on you lately for unnecessary roughness? He throws it quite a bit on me, saying, you know what you need right now in your life? 
You need some gentleness. You need some gentleness with your wife and with your kids, with the people you work with. You need some gentleness with the people that you're trying to lead, with the players that you're trying to coach. And guys, if we're going to be at our very best, where our relationships thrive and our relationships flourish, we've all got to have this power under control. Because the truth is, we all need some gentleness. We do. So we can go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as our replay monitor, and we can ask some questions like, how's my love tank these days? Am I more loving than I was six months ago? How's my joy factor been lately? How are my peace and my contentment levels? Am I a faithful person? Am I dependable? Am I trustworthy? Would people look at me and think of me as good, kind, even gentle? A more specific definition of gentleness may be your power under God's control. Your power under God's control. Because we all need help in this area. Because the truth is, we all have some rough edges. Let's just be honest, we do, don't we? We all have rough edges. So if you read through the book of Matthew, and you just kind of look at who Jesus hung out with, there were some guys who were, who were kind of rough around the edges, weren't they? I mean, guys like James and John, who Jesus nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Remember that? I mean, that sounds more like a professional wrestling tag team or, a, the, you know, the leader of a motorcycle gang or something. They were going to call down fire from heaven one time and take some people out until Jesus told them, he said, hey, calm down. You know, I'm in control of the situation here. Peter, he was a guy who had some rough edges. If you remember him, he, he was impulsive and prideful. He was boastful, very outspoken. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth. And when they came to arrest Jesus, uh, he takes out a sword and he starts slinging it around and cutting off the ear of a servant. Until Jesus says, hey, knock it off. I've got this. I'm in control here. Peter was the one who, um, after that, denied Jesus three times, saying, I'm a tough guy. I would never do that. I would die for you, Jesus. I would never disown you. I mean, the rest of these guys, they may run like chickens, but not me. Remember that? And Jesus said in Luke 9, 41, How much longer? How much longer am I going to have to put up with you guys? You ever felt like God said that about you? I feel like he does it me sometimes. Kenny, how much longer am I going to have to put up with you, dude? Come on, right? But listen, he saw their potential. He looked past their rough edges. He knew that if he could get them to know him better, if they could just watch how he reacted and related to people, if they could just begin depending on his power, his grace, and his compassion, if they could walk step by step with this soon-to-come Holy Spirit, God could change these guys. And that's why he said to them, and he says to you and I today, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28, and 29, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens. Is anybody in the room tired this morning and feel like you're carrying heavy burdens? He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Because I'm humble and what? 
and I'm gentle at heart. And you know what you'll find? You'll find rest for your souls. So Jesus is saying, if you'll just do life with me, I will enable you to have power under control. Now listen, Jesus was gentle, but that does not mean that he was weak, okay? Because people confuse that. The depiction that we have of Jesus probably doesn't paint a very accurate image. I mean, he was a carpenter for 30 years, right? I mean, you ever hugged a guy who's worked in carpentry for 30 years? I mean, they have calloused hands and rock-hard muscles. At least that's what Stephanie says about Dave. I don't know, but, um, but you get the point, right? When carpenters ran out of lumber back then, listen, they didn't go to Lumber King or go to Lowe's. No, they had to cut down trees to make boards. When Jesus got angry in the temple uh, because people were being ripped off, he started flipping over uh, tables, and guess what? Nobody messed with him. Nobody stepped up and did anything about it, right? Uh, He was a strong guy. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Satan over some big-time temptations and remained strong. He said some really bold things to religious leaders who were distorting the Word of God. And listen, he courageously endured the humiliation and pain of the cross. No weak man does that. You talk about power under control. Guys, at the cross... We see the greatest display of gentleness in the history of the world. Because he could have called down fire from heaven if he wanted to. He could have called down thousands of angels, Matthew 25 or 26, 53 tells us, to wipe out his accusers. It was all within his power to do so. But in this amazing demonstration of power under control, he carried your sin and he carried my sin to the cross. You see, without gentleness, some of the greatest things in the history of the world would not have occurred. After the resurrection, Jesus tells his followers, guys with rough edges like Peter and James and John, that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them. And you can read about it over in Acts chapter 2, how the Holy Spirit moves in and changes these guys. They become God's address. He smooths out all of these rough edges, and these guys become history makers and world changers. And listen, the good news is that the same God who smoothed out the rough edges off of those guys, he can do the same thing with you, and he can do the same thing with me. Years ago, uh, a young couple, a pastor and his wife with no kids at the time, decided to renovate a house in Nancy, Kentucky. And out of the kindness of their hearts, um, they allowed me or invited me um, to be a third wheel and go do manual labor with them um, each Saturday in sub-zero temperatures. And along with uh, undoing the kitchen sink plumbing, which opened up a can of the worst smell my nostrils have ever experienced, all right, and uh, watching this self-made carpenter, this hip pastor, get electrocuted by touching a breaker box with a screwdriver, which made the highlights in his hair, you know, the tips of him stand up at attention, okay? Along with those two things, one of the things that I was asked to do was to sand drywall. (sighs) 
I don't know if you've ever sanded drywall or not in your life, but uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be, okay? I'll just tell you that. It's not an understatement to say it was absolutely awful, miserable, because there's all of these layers that have to be sanded away to get a smooth surface, and, and it just takes forever. And, uh, and then it takes another forever to wash all the drywall sand out of your eyes and ears and hair and nose. And when you get my age, it's nose hair and ear hair and you know. You know. But when it's done, when it's completed, it looks wonderful. It looks wonderful. Well, listen, that's what God wants to do with some of us. God wants to sand off the rough edges until we're smooth. And one of the areas that God may be trying to sand off the rough edges in our lives is in this area of gentleness. And some of you may be sitting there thinking, I get what you're saying, but gentleness just isn't in me. I mean, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the sweet, funny, laid-back kind of person. No, I'm a tough Type A, highly competitive, outspoken, I just say what's on my mind kind of person. And we're supposed to be who God created us to be, right? Well, listen, God's not interested in changing the way he wired your personality. But he does want you to be you, unless being you equals being a jerk, okay? But listen... He wants to help us become the best version of ourselves. He wants to sand off our rough edges so we can act and react to people the way that Jesus did. And the truth is, we all have a temper, okay? But we should never have one that's not under control. I mean, we ought to have some fire. You ought to have some passion, some energy, some drive, some ambition within us. After all, we were made in God's image, and he has all of those qualities in very healthy ways. But we also know that there's an unhealthy flip side to all of those qualities as well. And unless we surrender that flip side to the control of the Holy Spirit, listen, we will just turn into these hard-nosed, insensitive, irritable, grumpy people who run over others. Author Gary Smalley writes this. He says, imagine Clark Kent walking or waking up one morning and forgetting, his, uh, forgetting that he possesses superhuman powers. He slaps the snooze button on his alarm and compresses it to the depth of an index card. At breakfast, he slams his coffee mug down on the table and sends it clean through two inches of splintered mahogany. He yells his frustrations at a sports article after reading that the Dodgers were up four to nothing in the seventh inning and lost to the Boston Red Sox in the newspaper... All right, I added that part, but you get it. Okay, if you watch the World Series, I'm a little ticked off, a little bitter over that still, okay? But he yells his frustrations at a sports article in the newspaper, and he cracks a thermal pane window in the dining room and ruptures his wife Lois's eardrum. In the hallway, he brushes against Clark Jr., leaving him with a cracked collarbone and a severe concussion. On the way out the door, he slaps the cat off of his favorite chair and welds that unfortunate animal onto the wall. Leaving the house, he swings the door open and rips it right off the hinges. He kicks a bicycle off the sidewalk, planting it 50 feet up in the neighbor's elm tree. But that's unrealistic. How could Superman not realize his own power, he writes? How could he miss not seeing the devastation, the pain and havoc that he's left in his wake? How could he look at the bruises the tears, the brokenness and chaos 
and not realize that he caused it all? And how could men not realize how powerful that they are? How could they fail to comprehend their vast and terrible ability to touch the lives of their families for good or for unspeakable harm? Could you use a little gentleness this morning? Paul, who wrote about half of the New Testament, he was a guy who at one time was a power out of control guy named Saul. He just ran roughshod over people until Jesus got a hold of him one day and began to change him. But he was still this tough, fiery, sharp, bold, ambitious, a hard worker, determined. But, but then he channeled all of that through the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look at what this former tough guy writes from a prison cell in Philippians 4, 4 and 5. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let, remember tough guy right in here, let your what? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Because the Lord is near. He's saying, listen, Jesus could come back at any time. Life is short. And so just live and relate with people in a nice, warm, upbeat, joy-filled, smile on your face, tender kind of way. I mean, we all need to surrender our attitude daily to the Holy Spirit, saying, just praying things like, Father, sand away my moodiness today. Remind me today to choose joy even when I don't feel like it. Please guard my actions and my reactions to people, my body language. Help me control my tongue because I don't want to walk around like I'm Superman anymore. You know, many of us guys and some women too go through the day kind of like Braveheart. We're carrying our sword. We're going to conquer the day and we're going to advance the cause. You know what, there's times in my life where I get super busy and I get stressed out about things. But I'm learning that each day when I get home, I need to take the sword off. I need to take it off and just put it away. I still struggle at times. But, but I don't want that stress to rub off on my family. Can I ask you, what would happen if you just hung up your sword? What would happen if we could just lose the attitude, the harshness, for some of you the profanity or the you're so stupid roll of the eyes that you give other people, then our relationships with our spouse, our relationship with our kids, our parents, our siblings, our neighbors, and our friends, they would dramatically improve. Look what it says about the power of gentleness in Proverbs 15.1. It says that a gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. Guys, gentleness really is a powerful thing. It can make wrath back up. But harshness is also a powerful thing. And that's why all of us on a daily basis need to surrender our attitudes to God so that he can smooth out the rough edges in our relationships. You know another thing that God wants to do? He wants to reroute our rage. Reroute our rage. God is pretty clear in the Bible that there's no room uh, in our lives for unhealthy rage or anger. In fact, the verses that precede that checklist, that replay monitor I was talking about earlier in Galatians chapter 5, 
before that is a list of all the flip side qualities that occur when we don't let God control our lives. And I want you to look at those in Galatians 5, 19 and 20. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are this. They're very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. And I want you to look at how these last seven are all related to rage and anger. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. Guys, that's some ugly stuff right there when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. And can I ask you something about rage? After you've exploded in anger, do you feel better? Or like me, do you just feel stupid? Proverbs 19, or 19, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools, stupid people, they vent their anger, but the wise, they quietly hold it back. And you know what the really stupid thing is? Is that many people, many of us think that when we lose our temper, it's triggered by one of two things. Okay, when we lose our temper. One, it's triggered by stupid, inanimate objects. Okay, right? You ever stubbed your toe on the couch at midnight and yell something like, you stupid couch, right? It's crazy. Uh, or the computer crash and you're like, you stupid computer. I say that every Saturday when I'm preparing a sermon because our computer was awful until we got a new one last week. Stupid computer. You hit a bad shot on the golf course. You stupid golf club as it's flying through the air into the lake, right? We actually call inanimate objects stupid. Do you know what that makes us sound like? Really, really stupid. Okay, that's what it makes us sound like when we do that. And of course, the second category is stupid people. You remember comedian Bill Ingvall who had that bit about here's your sign, you know, when dealing with stupid people? He'd say something like, I was on the side of the road fixing my flat tire, and the guy pulls up and says, got a flat tire? And he said, nope, the other three just swelled up all of a sudden. Here's your sign, right? Or the time the truck driver got his truck stuck underneath a bridge, and the police officer stopped and said, did you get your truck stuck? And he said, no, sir, I was just delivering this bridge and ran out of gas right here, right? Here's your sign, he said. You see, most of us think that it's stupid people who do stupid things, who need a stupid sign that cause me to act stupid or angry. That's what most of us think. It happens every day with people who have road rage. If these stupid people would just learn how to drive, right? Some of you are looking at your shoes going, that's me, okay? If they would just learn how to drive, it would be all right. And typically we express our anger by saying things like, that makes me so mad. He makes me so mad. She makes me so mad. But you know something that you will rarely hear come out of the mouth of an angry person? Is I. I make me so mad. But it's true. Here's a clip from Andy Stanley we've shown here before that we use many times doing marriage counseling. But it illustrates this point so well. So take a look. Mr. and Mrs. Mug met right after college, and like many people, when they, you know, he saw her and said, I, ooh, I got, you know, and she's like, woo, you know, and he had a degree and a future, and she was, you know, look at her. I mean, she's a knockout, so she's, all oh, that's working for her. And so they started dating, and you know, when they first started dating and hanging out, they were so careful. 
because he's trying to win her heart and she's trying to win his affection. And, you know, it's just, they were just so careful. And they had a few little, little problems along the way. And there were a couple of bumps in the relationship, but they were just so careful and everything was going to be great. And then they got married. And then about a month into their marriage, they had a, a, a problem, they had a bump. And stuff came out. And, and, he, and he looked at her and said, whoa, where did all that come from? And she looked at him and said, well, I didn't know you had anger issues. And he said, well, I didn't have anger issues till you bumped me. Oh, there it is again. And then they had another problem, and they, they just were so, and she went to see her sister, and she said, I didn't know he was like that. And he went to see, he went to see, you know, he went, I don't know, we don't know where guys go. They don't go anywhere, you know. He looked in the mirror, perhaps. I don't know. And he sat around thinking, wow, she makes me so mad. She makes me so mad. Whenever she brings that up, I just get mad. And if she would quit bumping me like that, then I wouldn't be so mad. My, my wife, you know, she has issues. And so he says to her, he says, you know, when we, when we were dating, I didn't see all this. I didn't, where, where's all that coming from? She says, well, every time we get in an argument, you make me act that way. Now, it's been entertaining so far, even if you haven't learned anything, right? <laughs> now, here's what I want you to see. Mr. Mug thinks the reason the blue beads come out of him is because they keep having conflicts and she keeps bumping him. And Mrs. Mug thinks the pink beads keep coming out of her because he keeps, you know, they keep having problems and he keeps bumping her. But here's the, here's the truth. The reason blue beads come out of Mr. Mug is because that's what's in there. And the reason the pink beads come out of, you writing this down? The reason the pink beads come out of Mrs. Mug is because that's what's in there. Oh, did you write that down? I love that part. Yeah, the truth is that the anger was already inside of us, right? They just brought it out. And so listen, after further review... After further review, I make me mad. I do. So this week, for all of those of you who have road rage, when you're getting frustrated in traffic, and you're about to lose it at home or with somebody at work, and you're ready to unleash a little unnecessary roughness on somebody, you just stick your index finger in your own face and you say, I make me so mad. Okay? You should try that this week. All right? I know you look stupid, but just do it, okay? Okay. James 1, 19 and 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Guys, our anger can never make things Right, so that's why God wants us to reroute our anger and bring it to him so he can take that edge off of us. Another thing God wants to do is to sand out any underlying bitterness. You know, one of the best parts of college football season is tailgating. You show up at Commonwealth Stadium hours before the game, and there are people parked everywhere with grills all over the place and the smell of burgers and brats is in the air. I love it. Or maybe for you, it's when you go on a picnic or for when you, when you go camping. 
Um, and if you have kids, if you go camping, you probably have a cooler full of Yoo-Hoo's and Capri Suns, right? Okay, that's like the, the camping drink. Now, I don't know about you, but when I drink a Capri Sun, I get every single last drop out of that thing, okay? I drink it, I squeeze it, and then I blow that. Some of you do this? Okay, I blow it back in and fill it up and squeeze it again just to get that last little drop out of a Capri Sun. Well, listen, you and I are kind of like Capri Suns in that whatever's on the inside of us, when we are squeezed, when pressure is applied in our lives, it comes out. It's going to come out. And if we've got the fruits of the Spirit living on the inside of us, love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control, if that's what's inside, then when we get squeezed, guess what? They come out. But if we've got unresolved tension and bitterness living inside of us, then listen, guys, that's going to come out as well. And that's why some of us get flagged so often for unnecessary roughness. We get so filled up with stress and we get so filled up with hurt and past memories and overloaded schedules and disappointment and insecurity. And if that's what's on the inside of us, anytime anyone or anything just barely squeezes us, it just seeps out onto other people around us. And the ones that we love the most are oftentimes the ones who end up getting hurt, don't they? Bitterness is the opposite of gentleness because it's power out of control. It will suck the joy right out of our lives and it will cause us to judge and criticize other people and it will make us walk around with an you owe me chip on our shoulder and a grudge in our hearts. Because listen, we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with resentment at the same time. We just can't. God wants to live inside our hearts and he wants to sand out that bitter poison. And instead of holding on to grudges and hurts and entitlements, he'll take us to verses like Ephesians 4, 2 that says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. He'll take you to scriptures like Colossians 3, 13 that says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In Matthew 5, 44, where Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that former tough guy, Paul, wrote these words in Romans 12, 14, when he said, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And if you're honest, after further review, maybe the reason that you're a bit harsh with people a little irritable, a little angry. Maybe the reason you're dishing out so much unnecessary roughness on yourself and others is because you've got so much unresolved bitterness on the inside. I mean, you're all messed up over somebody in your life who, who disappointed you, who hurt you, who used you and abused you. And it's just eating you alive because listen, please don't miss this. Bitterness does more damage to the container in which it's stored than to the object on which it's poured. Bitterness does more damage to the container in which it's stored than to the object on which it's poured. So God may be saying to some of us today, come on, 
Let me go to work in your heart today. Let me sand out that bitterness. Let's start working together on forgiveness. And let's replace that bitterness with gentleness. You know, after we allow God to sand off our rough edges, to reroute our rage and sand out our bitterness, listen, just like any product that you're proud of, He wants to apply the finishing touch called gentleness and put us on display. That's what He wants to do. God wants to show the world what He can do with reclaimed lumber from the junkyard. And when people see that the changes that God has made in our lives, it inspires them and it gives them hope. I mean, there's a lot of nice homes in McCreary County, but none of them compare to the homes that God has built right here in the lives of people in this church. Jesus specializes in remodeling and flipping lives, even ones that have fallen apart. And now you know what he wants to do? He wants to have an open house, and he wants to show everybody just what he's capable of doing. Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Guys, we're on display. Listen, we're on display with the checkout clerk at Kroger here in a little while. We're on display with the customer service rep at DirecTV. We're on display in the stands of a high school football game. We're on display in the parking lot at Walmart. We're on display with the waiter or the waitress at the local restaurant. Isn't it sad that waitresses at restaurants dread the Sunday just got out of church crowd? I mean, they'll tell you that a lot of times people who just got out of church are grouchy, demanding, whiny, rude, impatient complainers who tip very little. That must be embarrassing to God. It ought to be the exact opposite. It should be because of churches like Three Strands that restaurant workers around here ought to be excited on Sunday afternoons thinking, I just can't wait for Kenny to shut up so those Three Stranders can get out here to my restaurant, right? Uh, I want to work on Sunday afternoons because they're the best. They're so much fun. They're so kind. They're patient. They don't yell at me like everybody else. They're gentle. They don't gripe and they leave enormous tips. I love working when they're here. Listen. We are on display. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, God loves to take formerly rude, obnoxious, self-centered people like us and bring us back into relationship with Him through Jesus. And then He puts His Holy Spirit on the inside of us who goes to work on our character and applies the finishing touches so He can put us on display So listen, the world can see what a great God that he is and what he's capable of doing. So if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I think he was talking to me today. Maybe you're sensing that God's throwing a flag on you for some unnecessary roughness like he's done to me before. You know what you need to do? You need to just agree with him. Just agree with him because he's always right. He never makes a mistake or misses or makes the wrong call. So why don't you just say right now, God, after further review, you're right. You're right. I need a dose of gentleness 